Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Out of Spec Podcast. I'm Francie. We've got Kyle here. And today we are talking about the common dilemma of considering, one, if you're going to switch over to the EV side, which on earth EV should you buy? Is it? It's not just Tesla right away. There's a lot of other options out there, actually. And then you have a lot of things to consider. You're kind of driving preferences, uh, your budget, a lot of things to make sure you pick the right EV for you. And it can be pretty difficult and intimidating, especially if you have not entered the EV world yet. It's a bit of a learning curve. So today I want to talk to Kyle about a situation where he has a friend who is considering what to buy. And uh, we're going to talk about all the criteria that goes into it, and what is on the market and what, you know, this actual experience and decision making might be like. So, Kyle, tell me a bit about this situation. Situation, you're using my kind of words now. Uh, so a longtime friend of mine all the way back from like middle school and high school reached out and uh, said like, hey, my car stopped working. I need a new car. And uh, so basically you know, in the market for a new car and uh, want, wants it to be an SUV, not a huge budget. She's a teacher and uh, lives in the Boston, Massachusetts area. So wants all wheel drive, needs something dependable, needs to be relatively, uh, you know, cost effective as top priority, of course. But um, and also not like a huge car enthusiast, just like a general buyer of a car. And I was talking to her a little bit. I'm like, well, what, what have you been doing? She's like, well, I went to the Mazda dealer and I put a deposit down on a Mazda CX-5. And I'm like, great. But like, what do you think about electric cars? And her mom drives a Kona EV. So that's pretty interesting. So that she's familiar with EVs and everything. But Kona EV, of course, is front wheel drive and charges pretty poorly. So I was like, 
Okay, well, that's uh, first of all, it, it's odd to find someone end up at a Mazda CX-5 because it's not so much the common choice. You would typically see someone end up at like a RAV4 or a CRV or something like this is like a really common, um, you know, car for someone who wants an SUV that's all-wheel drive that's priced pretty well. And this isn't really a podcast meant for any kind of advice other than for me and Francie to do just a little bit of buying research to see like, is the CX-5 like a great choice? Because in all transparency, I'm a Mazda fan. I love the CX-5. I think it drives great, has pretty good tech, good safety features. Like I have no issues with the car, but it's just like this person owns, well, rents their house, but can easily put a charger in. She's got a garage and she's got a round trip commute. She doesn't really go on road trips. And if she does, it's like there's pretty good charging infrastructure between Connecticut and Massachusetts and New York where she's traveling between. So it's easy to do that in any electric car. So I was like, well, maybe we should just at least take a look at all the options and all the pricing to see like, what's the best place to end up. So um, what's your initial thought on that, Francie? My initial thought, I mean, it kind of makes me think about legislation that has gone through, we've seen it gone through in California, go through in California. And then also other states are starting to adopt, you know, similar plans, but like California by 2035, all new cars are going to have to be uh, sold as they're going to have to be EVs. So a lot of people are going to be at some point uh, forced to make this kind of choice if they want to buy a new car. So I think this is a great example of kind of what you should consider or can consider um, how you can go about finding this information on the internet. So I think it's a, a great subject to cover. And, um, especially that your friend, you know, she's not a car enthusiast. She's just, I want a good option. I want a reliable option. That's what most people are looking for. So right off the bat, I am curious about, you know, what drew her to the Mazda, if we could, you know, find a similar option and comparable EVs on the market. So did she talk a bit about, you know, why she was originally drawn to this car, the CX-5? No, I, I don't really 100% know why she chose this one. Although I think out of the like small, midsize, compact utility vehicles, like this is the combustion one I would choose actually. So it's like, oh, that's a pretty good job because Mazdas always drive incredibly well. They're not the fastest in a straight line, but great chassis tuning, kind of nice engine sounds, okay driver assistance, great transmissions, only a six speed, but they work really well. And so like as a car, um, it's the unique choice. You don't really see too many Mazdas on the road, especially here in Colorado as this Subaru Crosstrek territory and things like that. But uh, I was like, okay, that's a unique choice for someone who's not into cars and probably not a bad one, to be honest. But this is also someone who is like not against electric and would prefer to drive electric, um, but told me like, I can't afford it. She doesn't want to spend the extra money for an electric vehicle. So I thought, okay, well, let's just look at our options. So the first thing I want to do is let's configure this car. She specifically said she went through all of the different options on the Mazda site and wanted the um, CX-5 preferred. So if we go to basically the configurator of Mazda CX-5, CX-30, Mazda CX-5, build yours, you can see there's basically two major engine options. There's a turbocharged and a naturally aspirated one. She doesn't drive that fast. I, I actually, yeah, the, the standard car, I, I've reviewed both. 
like it's not that fast, but it's fine. Um, you know, of course, this one gets you a big glass roof and power seats and leather seats and uh, you know some other stuff. So yeah, sure. And you probably can get away without going premium or one of these really nicer ones just to keep mm -hmm. the in check. So this seems nice. One up from base. You can get a free color option. I think this one, Eternal Blue, looks kind of nice. You know, I don't know what color she specced at the dealer, but apparently the car is about two weeks away. It's in transit, the one she, that she selected. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. So we chose the color. Let's see what else there is for the configurator. You can choose the interior. Um, so in order to get the nice leather, you have to choose a different exterior color or at least a light color interior, which I think she chose, if I remember correctly, white with a lighter color interior like this one which is a nice spec mm -hmm. not bad let's continue along there's just like some other accessories the way mazda does their options are like they're sort of packaged together so this is just dealer installed accessories don't really need any of these in my impression and so yeah so i see we're kind of hovering a little bit above 30k you know in, in those options that you were talking about and then um, I am curious because some folks just go and they look what's available and they pick from that. But it does seem like she's, you know, kind of choosing options that she wants. You know, sometimes you're just left like this is the interior they have. This is the color that they have, you know, and I'll take it because, you know, maybe I don't care about the other stuff. But it, is she customizing this a bit more than someone who's just taking what's on the lot? Yeah, definitely sounds like she ha she has a color scheme in mind. Uh, for this particular car. And that's why she was waiting for it rather than taking delivery that day. Um, but okay. So basically we have the price for the car she has on order. It's $32,000 roughly. That's in my impression, a lot of car for the money. You're getting huge glass roof, nice interior, pretty good driving dynamics. All wheel drive is standard. Like what more do you really need? And it's, it's a safe car, much safer than what she had been driving. So you know, that's that there's no question this is going to be a better choice than previous, but it's also like not cheap, it's still mm -hmm. over $30,000 for this. And she's going to have to do maintenance every year and fuel, which she's probably only driving 10 or 12,000 miles a year. It's probably not going to add up to a huge amount of money, but it is something to consider. So I right. thought, okay, well, if you're going to go combustion, this is probably the correct choice in the market anyway. Um, you know, compared to a CRV or a RAV4 standard car or something like that. So my initial thought was, why don't you get a Tesla Model Y? And she was like, oh, that's my dream. I'd love to have a Model Y because so much faster, fully electric, best supercharger network out there. And, and she appreciates all of those things. She's like, I totally understand the Tesla thing. That's what I really want. So I'm like, it can't be that much more to get a Model Y than a Mazda CX-5. So let's actually run through the cost. Let's take a look at that. So I've pulled up the Tesla configurator. Now you guys will also notice that Tesla has now removed the standard all-wheel drive Model Y, which was the 4680 made in Austin, Texas vehicle. We think because they need the 4680 cells, um, you know, their, their new form factor cells for the Cybertruck. So there's no longer um, the, the cheap Model Y. So in order to just get into the Model Y, you're over $50,000, which still is an incredible value for what you're getting. You know, huge acceleration, 250 kilowatt charging, autopilot as standard, but we're right. still talking almost $20,000 more 
than this CX-5. And this is with no options, which I don't think she would really need any options. The standard gray is nice, aero wheels. She's not going to be towing. Yeah, maybe maybe she would spec up for the white seats. I don't know. Uh, and you don't need enhanced or FSD, in my opinion. You could just get the car as is. So sure. if we just go through here, this car is $53,130. So you are $20,000 more, just over the Mazda, but we need to factor in credits. And so in the case of this particular vehicle, it qualifies for the $7,500 federal tax credit. Um, and I believe there is a Massachusetts EV credit, which is, um, does Massachusetts have an EV tax credit? More EV, I don't know. What is the $3,500? So if the total MSRP is $55,000 or less, she'll get an additional $3,500 discount, which sounds amazing, actually. So you take $53,130, and technically you have to add that $250 deposit because it's part of the cost of the car. Then we subtract $7,500, then we subtract another $3,500. Now you're at $42,380 for the Model Y. And um, let's just keep on the idea of the Mazda. You're at 32000 So now it's a $10,000 Delta to spec right. up to a Model Y. And the thing is, she's going to have to upfront pay for the full Model Y and then get the credits. It's possible the Massachusetts is cash on the hood, um, but I don't think it is. Um, so she would have to basically front the cost and then wait for tax time to get the 7500 and the 3500 and for someone who's on a budget um, and who's a teacher, she may not even be able to take full advantage of the $7,500 tax credit. Totally. I think it can be pretty intimidating, just that sticker shock. I mean, not only are you like, you were going for an ICE and now you're going for an EV, but you see the 53, you have to do the math of what takes it down. But it's like you said, it's still 10K over, which for some, you know, they have a strict budget. So maybe the Model Y is still a bit of a dream car for her. I think so. I actually didn't didn't really uh, process. For me, I've always just been like, ah, oh, Model Y is the answer. It's so reasonably priced for what you get. And it is. But it's a huge step up from a CX-5, a RAV4, uh, or something like this. And even with the credits, um, you know, she's going to have to write the check for the 53 grand or finance it, most likely, and then wait for the reimbursement. Now, my understanding is coming around in 2024, if she were to wait until January, the federal tax credit process is going to change. And it's likely, I don't actually know this to be 100% true. Do you know, Francie, is it going to be cash on the hood, 7,500 bucks? Is that how that's going to work? I'm not sure exactly. I think we need to get an, you know, an expert on here to clear that up for us, but I can look into okay. it. Yeah, well, someone leave the comment down below because I at least know at certain dealerships, I don't know if Tesla will be able to do this, they'll be able to basically include the $7,500 tax credit off of the price of the car, which is great news. Uh, but it also means that like your income cap situations are going to be different because if you make more than $150,000 a year or $300,000 jointly, like right now you don't qualify for the tax credit. Um so it's all pretty complicated, but no matter which way you run the numbers, Model Y is 10 grand more, and at least today she'd have to front the cost of that difference. So that kind of feels a little bit out of the question. 
to be totally honest. It does. And I did just see online from one source that in 2024, you know, one of the exciting updates about the EV tax credit change is the ability to claim the tax credit right at the point of sale. So that's one thing I'm seeing just right off my Googling off the bat, which if she wanted to wait until next year, she could reap the benefits of that. But yeah, I think the Model Y still is a bit out of range for this particular consumer. Okay. So the one other thing we should just check is Model 3 because you can order a new Model 3 rear-wheel drive for $40,240 and in inventory, they're in the $30,000 range, like $38,39, and it still qualifies for all those tax credits, which would actually make it cheaper than the Mazda. However, it's a sedan and it's rear-wheel drive, which does not fit with the criteria she's looking for. And if we were to bump it to a Model 3 all-wheel drive, you're only three grand off the Model Y. You may as well just get the Model Y at that point. So I think that's kind of out of the question as well. So maybe this isn't a Tesla-friendly search for this. Yeah, no, I know. But it's Yes, I totally agree. So let's look at what else is out there. Because she's already familiar with electrification, she wants something to commute electric um, you know, just from the driving experience, the environmental benefits to her, and also the cost, um, you know, charging at home is much cheaper than, than fueling. And it's also convenient. She would never have to run to a gas station if she's late to school one day. Um, you know, you, you leave every day full. Let's look at the RAV4 Prime, which is a really popular plug-in hybrid all-wheel drive electric vehicle. And it's one of the few plug-in hybrids that even when it's really cold outside, you can actually keep it in electric mode. Because like the Ford uh, Escape plug-in hybrid, um, I can't remember if it was all-wheel drive or not. I had it, but I remember that I could never keep the combustion engine off when I had the heater on full blast. And it was so annoying that it kept turning on. So here yeah. you have a standard plug-in hybrid one. Okay, so let's select this. An SE, you probably don't need the XSE. The standard one should be fine. Plug-in hybrid, you know, choose a color. White looks great, whatever weather and moonroof package sure 1600 bucks glass roof sounds great we'll skip all the accessories we're into this for 46,105 now the nice thing is this does qualify for the $7500 tax credit uh, because the battery pack is over a certain size and it does i believe qualify for some Massachusetts credit but just like the model Y she's going to have to write the check for the full thing and then wait for the tax reimbursement to come, which means her monthly payment isn't going to change when the tax credit comes in. Uh, it means that she would have to set up, uh, you know, to have that much of a tax liability. And not to mention RAV4 primes are still unbelievably hard to get and dealers still are charging a markup on them. So now she would have to go to another dealership, do another negotiation, track down a car somewhere and, and try and get it for sticker, which is honestly a tough ask to do that for a RAV4 Prime, but it would be a great car, but it's still going to be many thousands of dollars more expensive than the CX-5. And you're probably not going to make up that difference in fuel savings over a number of years. Again, because this isn't fully electric, it's only partially electric and it can do most of the driving fully electric in this case. So I think this is out. What do you think, Francie? I do think it's out as well. Uh, I think it would be a great option for someone who maybe had, you know, a bit more for the budget, but 
in terms of what she needs, it's just not there. Yeah, I think the whole problem with the tax credit is the 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 theory behind it is it's trying to help folks who don't have all the money in the world jump up into an electric car. The problem is though you need to have enough money laying around to cover that cost difference um, before you can wait to get the tax credit, which in this case wouldn't come until April if she were to take delivery by this year. Um, and that is a that's seventy five hundred dollars just off in the orb waiting to come back or waiting for your liability to be um, reduced. That's not really helping people who need the money. So that's why I'm so happy they're switching to cash on the hood next year to make it much more fair and equal for everyone to get the EV tax credit. So I'm excited about that. But I think this is out. So then I thought, well, let's look at the Volkswagen ID4. Now, I know uh, I've recommended the ID4 to a bunch of people and um, they half of them love them, half of them are really concerned about software and don't like them. I think the car is built really well. It drives great. It charges acceptably. And there's nothing majorly wrong with this car. And Francie's frozen. Are you back? Yeah, I'm frozen. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Okay, yes, you're back. So, do you have any major issues with the ID4? I don't personally have any major issues with the ID4. I think it... Uh, I think one, they look great. I've heard, I haven't had the chance to drive one, but I've heard that people are pretty satisfied with them. I see a lot of them on the road actually in terms of the EVs that I see out there. So I think this, I'm hoping this could be a good option for her. Right. I actually agree. I like the car. And what I like about Volkswagen is they package it really well. So the standard car comes with all the driver assistance, everything you would really need in the car. The only thing you're missing out on is the big glass roof. But let's just go in here to the ID4 all-wheel drive, um, which is you know forty-nine thousand dollars. Again, quite expensive, and we're going to run into the same issue where this is one of the cheaper electric cars on the market. And even if you go for like a real, let's just go not that brown color because that's not it. You know, here's a base one. You're forty-nine grand, and it's an unbelievable. Uh, value because you're going to get three years of free charging on Electrify America, which is, you know, a selling point. Not that she's going to use it every day. She'll charge it home, but road trips would be essentially free. Um, the car is a, uh, you know, they're readily available even with some discounts on dealer lots. And so you're going to be into this car for like 38, 39 grand after tax credits. And I think that's pretty good, but we're so close to where that Model Y was for only an extra few thousand dollars. She could step up to the Tesla and um, that would be my recommendation because of resale value. The Model Y is really holding its value so well. You get access to so many more charging points, especially in the Northeast where the CCS networks are uh, oddly weak, um, where there's a lot more Tesla superchargers to get around. I would say a new ID4 is off the list. And I think we've covered like all of the new car popular options in this category that we typically see our audience going for. And to be honest, I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised after doing this. And when we initially talked ahead of the show, I was like, damn, that CX-5 or a combustion small um, you know, SUV still is a much better value, a hugely better value. Yeah, you can see why going EV is, 
out of reach for a lot of people. And, you know, whether they haven't done their research, they have an inkling. Typically, when I speak to people, you know, they're like, well, I've had this car. I've had it for so long. It still runs. Or if I went new, you know, I would just get something that's in my price range. So EVs not only have kind of the reputation of being out of most people's price range, but it seems like when you're comparing them to really affordable and great options for ICE cars, they still are a bit out of reach, especially if you can't, you know, move that budget, which a lot of people can't. There's also really high, you know, um, investment or sorry, what is it? Loans, loan. Interest rates. The interest rates. Is, what's that I word? The interest <laughs> rates are really high right now and people might be prioritizing other stuff. You know, if you're going to buy a house, can you even buy a car soon? And all that to be considered. Um, so, yeah, this is pretty enlightening. I know that we do consider that the EV, the long term maintenance, like you're not going to really have to worry about that. Uh, and charging, you know, you could get a great charging offer on uh, one of the public networks and or if you had at home charging. But, you know, it, it really starts to play into not not only what kind of car do you want, but how much can you afford to put down to get an EV over an ICE when you could find really great deals of used combustion engines. Yeah, well, actually, even new combustion engines are great. But actually, let's talk about um, used electric cars, because that's when things get interesting for me. The thing that I like about looking at used EVs are that $7,500 tax credit, that Massachusetts $3,500 credit, whatever it is, that's already baked into now the price of the car. The original mm -hmm. owner took care of that however they did, doesn't matter. But all of the car's values have dropped by that much, in theory, is how the market should work. And there's a few particularly great used electric car options in the market. I want to look at used Model Y. I want to definitely look at used e-tron. That's been a topic that's been coming up uh, recently. And even used ID4. And maybe even used RAV4 Prime. We could look at those, and we will in this episode. But the one thing I want to bring up are there's a couple considerations when buying used. The first is you want to make sure that you're buying a clean car that hasn't been hit, that's had you know whatever required service done. So it requires a little bit more digging into that individual vehicle, which does take more time. And I actually really love that process. So I'd, I'll help her if she decides to go that way to, to find the right car. And then the second thing is interest rates are actually typically higher on used vehicles than they are on new vehicles. And a lot of times a manufacturer will have a program like Lucid right now is 0.9% financing uh, for 48 or 60 months or something like this. It, that's not the actual interest rate. They're just taking an L and mm -hmm. trying to push the new car out uh, by offering a really good interest rate to encourage people to finance the car and step up into one of their vehicles. And, um, you know, for our overseas viewers, financing a car in the U.S. is extremely common, especially for situations like this. People are comfortable thinking about a monthly payment. Uh, you just don't want to get in over your head. If you're smart about it, it's okay. It's how probably 80% of new cars are bought. You just want to make sure that you're not really upside down on your purchase too often. And so I actually think the smartest decision for most people is to buy a used vehicle that's already taken a big depreciation hit eat a little bit of the higher interest if you have to, and then your your car's overall cost could be significantly less than buying new. So let's actually explore that a little bit. I'm going to pull up my screen here, and I want to look at just an awesome, fantastic alternative, which is the Audi e-tron. Uh, 
And this and, is so great because, you know, with as time has gone by, this has only come to benefit those shopping in the EV market because more and more, there's more and more EVs on the road where we couldn't say that, you know, years ago. But now there's like great options. People are switching and there's actual, you don't have to buy new EV. You can go for a nice, lovely used one. Okay. So totally agree. hundred percent. So basically what we have as some examples are used 2019 Audi e-trons right here. You guys know that we actually have one and it's been a truly fantastic car. It's been very reliable, but it's also a used Audi. So if things go wrong, it could get more expensive, which is why I'm specifically looking at the certified Audi e-trons right here. And Audi's certified pre-owned program is amazing because it's unlimited mileage. So you can drive it as much as you want and you, you never hit a warranty cap. The other nice thing is because it's an electric car, there's an eight year, I think 100 or 120,000 mile warranty on the motors and the battery. So for whatever reason, if the car stops moving, that's at least covered under warranty with a used electric car, which helps a lot. Now, uh, I'm particularly showing the e-tron because they have just tanked in the market almost way quicker than any other electric car. Uh, and, and it doesn't really make sense to me. And, you know, in, in the case of, of my friend here who's shopping for a car, she doesn't need the massaging seats, the double pane glass of a prestige. It might be nice and she could appreciate it. But here I'm just looking, here's an Audi e-tron premium plus with only 12,000 miles on it for 35 grand. Now, this is a car that costs, again, pretty much what that new CX-5 is going to cost her. However, she's going to have no running costs. There's no oil changes. There's no gasoline costs. And the car has already taken a huge depreciation hit, which means when it comes time to sell it, she's selling a $90,000 car for $33,000 versus selling a $33,000 car for $23,000. So the overall cost of ownership means she could actually buy a much nicer car that's fully electric, maybe a little bit higher interest in terms of a of a higher monthly payment. So yeah, you're going to spend a little bit more money, but you'll save on the gas, you'll save on the oil. It might actually work out to be pretty even when you look at the whole thing. And when it comes time for her to sell this car, she'll have a lot more flexibility to get out of it. And honestly, probably a better day-to-day -day driving experience. So this is just one example. Looks great. All is good. Um, let's just take a look at the Carfax. No accidents, which is awesome. Um, one owner vehicle. It was a personal lease from 2020, so it's a late 2019, and there's no, no, you know, anything crazy here. This is a clean car that's ready to go with only 12,000 miles on it, and that is a huge buy. This is a high recommend vehicle for sure. I Looks think great. We're getting warmer with this one. Yeah, see, this makes so much more sense to me than buying a new combustion car. Um, you know, and, and it's under warranty too. So like, if there's any issues, they'll get that taken care of. So yeah. Okay. Eventually this will end warranty and things can go wrong. So that is a risk of course, of driving a used luxury car, especially used German luxury car, but let's actually take a look. So I, I had to bring up the e-tron thing. Cause I think this is the buy in the EV market right now. Anyone who's looking at a car should really consider a used e-tron because they charge amazing. They have 225 miles of real world highway driving range. They sit at, um, you know, 150 kilowatts to 80%. They're so quiet, so comfortable, high recommend. Let's actually go back over here and let's look at a 
used Tesla Model Y because that's the car she really wants to drive. It's a little bit less pretentious than the e-tron. I would say there's less potential for things to go wrong. Tesla Model Y. I also like how they go S3XY on cars.com. That's great. Spells sexy. And we're going to go for, uh, let's see, within 30 miles, we'll go all miles. Countries, the market, road trips are easy. And let's go for lowest price and let's look for something under 50,000 miles. So where do I see mileage? Yeah, any mileage, 50,000 or less. And so right here, we're seeing 2020 Tesla Model Ys, 20,000 miles on this one, 43,000, 44,000, 45,000. These are all in that same price point as her uh, Mazda that she's looking at. This one's a nice blue with white seat example. You might even be able to find one that sneakily has uh, FSD in enabled. Not that she would need that, but it could help with resale in the future. And, um, you know, the, there's just great options here. What do, what do you think about this, Frenzy? I am, I mean, for her, this is her dream car, a Model Y. And just see that there are used Model Ys on the market that are close to that $30,000 price point. It's absolutely great. I think it definitely would open up the option for her and others who are around there to, you know, get the get the Tesla, get the charging and to take advantage of that offer. So I wasn't sure if we were going to see that. Um, you know, I know that I'll get some mo Tesla Model 3 performance trade in experience soon with my dad's experience. But yeah, I think this is a good option for her. And if you first went to, you know, the Tesla website, and that's how you started to look for this, you'd, you might miss out on this option to find a used Tesla that actually could fit your needs and fit your budget. Yeah, like here's one that's, uh, you know, 13,000 miles, 150 miles. What the heck? Uh, you know, generally it seems like between 30 and 40,000 miles for a 2021. I just changed the search results because Model Y improves with Tesla. They always improve as time goes on. So I always recommend buying the newest model year that you can afford because there's so many little changes that they change. So you go for 2021 or a 2022 Model Y. It looks like you're right in that mid $30,000 range. The cars, again, this was at the time of these pricing, this is a $60,000 car. You're going up against now a new $55,000 car. So you're $20,000 off a new one. They've already taken the depreciation hit. They really aren't going to go much lower than where they are now. So she would be able to buy this car, finance a large portion of it, put a down payment down, finance it at a reasonable rate. It's still a 2021 vehicle. Um, you know, it's probably a couple points higher than, than a brand new one. And she's going to have a fully electric experience, completely under warranty, eight year, 120,000 miles on this thing for the battery and motors, 50,000 miles for the car. And because there's so many out there and there's a great third party Tesla repair shop in the Boston area, uh, electrified garage, the cost of ownership is going to be so low on this one. And I just feel like, especially with the Audi, the big risk is what happens out of warranty. With this, I have like zero concern about anything like that. They're just so rock solid and they're so known in terms of the quantity or, you know, in terms of what happens out of warranty. So this feels like the sweet spot to me going for a used Model Y. I don't see any reason you would have to get a new one. Um, and actually, let's just take a look. Maybe there's even some 2022s. What's the cheapest 2022 you could go for? Look at this, 15,000 miles, 36 grand. Wow, really nice. Actually, um, 
yeah, let's see here, 45,000 miles, 38 grand. Seems like just under $40,000. I think the sweet spot for her just to keep the budget in check is going to be that 2021 uh, Model Y, try and find the newest one, lowest price. Um, one last check uh, would be just the RAV4 Prime because that's going to give her the best of both worlds, if you will, a you know, perfectly usable electric car for the daily commute and also a combustion car if she has to go far. So we can come here to used Toyota RAV4 Prime. Let's see what is out there. Somehow there are none in the Fort Collins area. What the heck? So let's go all miles. We'll short sort by lowest price right here. Oh man, they're expensive. Look at this 50,000 miles. It's still 34 grand. Wowza. This is not the buy. No, not the buy. 88,000 miles, $34,000. Are you kidding me? Jeez Louise. Okay, so why do you think it's it's just retaining that value? So there's this big RAV4 community and there's enthusiasm behind the car because it's truly one of the more middle-of-the-road plug-in hybrids with big range, usable daily electric acceleration. Like I mentioned in the winter time, it's usable, it's all-wheel drive, and it's Toyota, it's dead reliable, and you cannot get them new. They literally are not building enough of them, which means the whole used market is just pulled up because of lack of initial supply. So, you know, looking at this at the end of the day, it comes down to one of two cars and really just one car, I think, um, judging based off of her personal preferences. And, you know, the new CX-5, I think she would be able to get that car, love that car, enjoy the driving experience, but it's not going to be anything particularly unique. It's not going to be anything that is going to hold its value at the end of the day when it's a used car. It's just a cheap used car. She's going to have to eat that depreciation cost of buying a new car plus the financing charge plus whatever the dealer sells her on. And, uh, you know, that's always a risk, of course, and, and I'll help her through all that so she doesn't get, you know, like the extended paint protection that they don't do anything for. You know what I mean? But uh, really the sweet spot here from a financial standpoint and from a daily usability standpoint, because she is able to charge at home is to go for a used long range model Y. It gives her the least amount of um, uh, exposure to high repair costs like the e-tron would. E-tron makes sense if it's your second car and you can afford to fix it if things go wrong out of warranty. But with Tesla, they're dead simple, they're dead reliable. And in this case, it's a significant price savings over a new car. I agree. I think that's a pretty clear conclusion from this. And, you know, she's lucky to have you to dive in because it, it, like we said, it can be intimidating. You're not exactly sure what to look for. And especially if you don't know that there are great used EV options on the market and you can take advantage of that. They retain their value. They're going to be cost efficient and they also can have aspects that you need. You know, those EVs can be tough as well up in those climate conditions up north. So I think this is a good option for her. Do you think she's going to be likely to listen to you? Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, you know, she, she, I, I think she will. I mean, I really, the best choice for her is go for model Y you get preconditioning. She can melt all the snow and ice off of her car. You know, if it snows while she's at work, it has the best charging network. It'll warm itself up on the way to chargers. Model Y has great cold weather performance. We've tested that many times and, um, certainly it's amazing in the snow, uh, with its dual motor control. 
safer than a CX-5. I mean, not, not to say the CX-5 is unsafe, but like so much safer, so much more room, so much faster and uh, with much better driver assistance, of course, and just basic autopilot for lane centering is great. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be I think it would be a dumb decision not to go for one of those used in this case. Certainly used ID4 could be an option, used Mustang Mach-E, used Ionic 5. But then in her case, she's really stuck using the CCS charging networks, which are not built out in that area. And as someone who doesn't want to think about charging or driving, you just roll up to a supercharger, slap the cable in, you're good to go. It's the, it's the easiest option. Yeah, it's actually surprising sometimes how folks will invest in a new EV and then not look into the public charging around them, just assuming that it'll be available uh, at, you know, just ubiquitous everywhere when it's not exactly. So that's also something to consider if you're looking to get an EV. What does the public charging network look like, especially if that's what you're going to rely on? But it looks like we might have another teacher with a Tesla after this. It is possible. I'll, of course, update everyone with what happens and uh, what she decides to do so we can follow the story. But uh, yeah, thanks for uh, talking this through with me, Francie, because honestly, I didn't know what the numbers looked like until we just did it now. Yeah, I hope folks can uh, learn a little bit about how to go about this process. Of course, let us know if there's any key elements we should also consider or other folks sh should consider. This is a conversation. We're all learning and the EV learning curve is pretty steep. So plenty of information to share. So thanks for joining, Kyle. This is a cool conversation. And everyone, thanks for tuning in. Feel free to reach out to us at podcast at autospecstudios.com to email us if you have any cool ideas of what to cover. You can tweet me at hey underscore Francie, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye.